What's going on, everyone? The You Know I Got So and So in Stereo podcast is back, and we've got Tom and Ed, as well as myself, back on here. What's going on, guys? What's up, guys? Well, look who's back. <laughs> you missed me, guys? No. I love the crickets. Don't answer that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it's been... Quite some time, well, actually about three weeks since we all got together to talk about R&B. Tom, we hope you stay this time around. And can I just say, first off, before, Tom, you get into your thing, I was on Instagram the other day. I ended up on Keith Sweat's Instagram page, and he has a picture with 21 Savage. That is the most random thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Keith, Keith, Keith. Listen, listen, Keith. We, Keith, we love you. We love you, dog. We love you. You don't have to prove to these youngins that you're relevant. We love you. You don't have to sell out. We know that 21 Savage has no idea who you are. He just thinks you're the uncle that owes him some money from the cookout. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. We love you. You don't have to do it. I saw the picture. It looked like he was being held at gunpoint off camera. Good Lord. Leave Keith alone. (laughs) Well, Man. actually, Kyle, you, you, you stole my thunder. I was going to bring that up because that picture's been floating around the internet, you know, so we had to address that, Ed. It's only right. <laughs> it's only... It's, first of all, we got to start the podcast depressing your boy. That's how it has to be. <laughs> Tom comes back and my blood pressure spikes. But the good news is, well, we're probably covering this later in the podcast, but feel the real... Grammy-nominated album. Just acknowledging that real quick. Wow. Uh, We'll get back to that, but just let me leave you with this. I hope (laughs) hope music (laughs) doesn't get his hopes up about this Grammy. I'll just leave it at that. Tom, have you been, like, celebrating early? Is that why you've been gone for the last few weeks? (laughs) Come on. Me and Willie Hinn have been out celebrating for the past couple weeks. Willie Hinn? Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, shout outs to Willie Hinn one of the artists signed to Music's label I will say Um, Willie got better bars than both of these losers on the radio I like them oh losers damn Damn. I said Uh, what I said they know what they are 21 Savage you get it calm down guys let's uh if we're gonna talk about the Grammys let's talk about the Grammys before I get into the nominations, and I'm sure everyone can read it on their own computers, what did you guys think about just the overall nominations? I mean, Ed, I know you pay attention to all the categories. Tom, you only f- follow R&B and country. So, um, what country. did you guys <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> what, what did you guys think about the overall nominations? Apparently, there were less Caucasian nominations than normal. Yes, and I thought that when I saw it, it was, whatever day it dropped was a day that I got to work late because I was like out doing something. I can't remember what was going on, but my texts were blowing up because people were like, you have to see these nominations. So I expected when people were saying that, I expected to see the worst. I thought it would be Taylor Swift in every category. She would be getting nominated for Rap Album of the Year or something. So I assumed it would be something to infuriate me. But lo and behold... Absolutely not. This is the first time in a very long time that artists that are actually talented are getting nominations and people who deserved it 
are getting nominations. And it's not the usual one golden child that sold a bunch of records that are just clogging up the pipeline. I didn't see any Drake all up and down and calm down Drake stands. I know he didn't submit his garbage album for it, but even if he did, it would have gotten nominated. So I am very glad to see this because it's a, f- a breath of fresh air and we actually got some talent up there. Finally. And Tom, you know what you I found? Ha- uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead Kyle. No, go ahead. You know what I found? Just, just an overall general um, observation, but that Jay-Z, I believe, was a leading nom- nominated artist. And it, mm-hmm. just, it just took me back to like back in the in the early 2000s when Jay-Z couldn't even get nominated. And I just exactly. thought, look how, look how far we've come. And now he's leading. It's like, it's almost to me like a slap in the face. It's like the Grammys are so far behind the times. Like they should have been nominating him back then. And now it's like, okay, he's popular. Let's start nominating him for everything. Well, so- I mean, now, I'll give the brother this. That this album that he's released, I think this is his first one that's ever been up for album of the year. And to be quite fair, even though JB's popularity back in the day was higher, a lot of those albums do not age well. This is one of his better albums. So, sure, I have no problem with it being acknowledged for being a top at that point. But again, I see what your point is, because back then we were still under the old system of let's just nominate whoever's hot on the scene or the one we're supposed to like. The equivalents of the Macklemores who are just, all right, everybody's talking about him. Who cares if the music is garbage? Let's just hype him up because we want to make a statement. And the music has always come secondary to the politics. This is kind of the first time I feel like the music is coming first. So it's overdue for Jay, but. At least they did it on an actually good album instead of some mediocre garbage. I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, people have been trying to figure out why there's been such a huge switch up with the Grammy nominations this year. I did read an article that said that they switched over to online voting, which allowed more than 1,300 members or 13,000 members voting to participate. So I think it opened up the, um, the, the spots for people to be nominated. And I think people's voices have been heard, which is why you didn't hear that, uh, or, or Ed Sheeran's Shape of You song wasn't nominated for Song of the Year, because Tom would have flipped out if that was nominated for Song of the Year. And I mean, yes. at this po- I, I, at this point, I've just given up hope. I mean, I would have just <laughs> been like, yep, that's how it goes. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Tom. Like, I expected, and again, like, that song's okay. I don't think it's as bad as everybody says, but that's a song and an album that you expected to be nominated for everything because yeah. it's Ed Sheeran and we have to swing off of his testicles. That's just how it is. But, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Jeez. It's the real. But the wow. point is, this time we've actually done some things that will actually put people ahead who have put out better albums. And again, I like his album, but there are probably 35 albums this year that were way better. And 200 songs that were way better. So let's give them some love instead of the same old, same old. And to the skeptics out there, because I know I've seen y'all and I feel you a little bit. A lot of people are saying we're seeing this kind of shift in tide because of the times we live in and they don't want to get destroyed by black Twitter and think peace to death and accused of being racist and catering only to white artists that might have something to do with it. I mean, honestly, it probably has probably a large amount of something to do with it. But again, at the end of the day, if we are getting good music nominated for stuff, I am okay with it. You can be intimidated if you want, but as long as we're nominating good stuff, 
artists that deserve the spotlight, I'm here for it, player. Well, let me quickly go through the nominations here. We'll start off with some of the more general nominations for Album of the Year. Uh, Childish Gambino, Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, Lord, and Bruno Mars. Of course, Bruno Mars' album is the most R&B of them all, so Bruno Mars will probably win that one. Uh, just, it was a pretty good album. Uh, record of the Year, we have Childish Gambino, Ed's favorite song, Despacito, Jay-Z, yeah. The Story of O.J., Kendrick Lamar, Humble, and Bruno Mars, 24K Magic. Red Bull... Wait, and uh, I- quick, 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 quick yeah. question... The Grammys announced that if you're not signed to a major label, you can't be nominated for these major awards, right? I'm not 100% sure on that one. <laughs> I was being sarcastic, but, I mean, where's the independent artist in any of this? Childish no, Gambino, is that, he signed? Um, I don't know. He was. I don't know, I don't know if he is. Who? I don't know where his standing Childish was Gambino. on that album. He signed. No, Are he, you kidding me? He was at a moment. But this came up last year when... Um, what's the dude's name? Chance was kind of like nominated for everything. And you know, he's quote unquote independent. I don't know how much I trust that, but that kind of that argument has come up whether independent artists are getting a chance to shine, but my, he did his thing last year. You're missing my point though. It's, it's still just a popularity contest. It's, it, it's not, they're not going to nominate someone for these major awards who has 10,000 followers, even if they have the best album that was created in that year. Of course not. That's a, um, again, like that has always been the issue because before, if this was usual times, those four categories would have been Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, because that's who gets the hype. So we haven't gotten to the point where Gordon Chambers is getting nominated, but I think <laughs> we're slowly Chambers. getting oh, there. Man. Oh, you're funny, Ed. <laughs> wow. Listen. Um. I- I, I I don't know if we're ever gonna get there. They still have to put. They still have to get viewers, and no one's gonna be watching. We love Gordon Chambers, but no one's watching yeah. the Grammys to see Gordon Chambers on TV. Well, again, that's the point, and that's where politics comes into this. That's why Macklemore got all that junk years ago because oh, he made a song about same sex love, so we've got to show that love, even though the song was not that great. It's all about making political statements. And that happened later on in one of these categories that Tom, that Kyle is about to name in a minute. And I will bring it up when he gets there. So y'all can light my mentions on fire. <laughs> um, so, song of the year. We have Ed's favorite song, Despacito. Jay-Z, 444. Julia Michaels, Issues. Logic featuring Alessia Cara and Khalid. Some phone number, I'm not going to... Name all. I'm not going to say all of that, and, and that's the song I'm talking about. <laughs> and Wait, do you Bruno like Mars. that song or not like that song? Ed. No, the song is that song. The phone number that he didn't mention. It's a song about suicide, and it speaks about how to help suicide victims and people who are struggling with it. It's a very powerful song, but it's not as great as people say. And that's one of the things that I'm talking about when we talk about kind of politics. It has a great message, but it's not that great of a song. So we got to hype yeah, it up because um, it's got a great message. Yay. But here's the thing, though. I, when I go to the gym, I hear pop radio, right? And I, I I used to hear this song. I didn't know it was this song at the time. And all I heard was this guy singing about, I just want to die. And I'm like, whoa, this song is horrible. Like, why would they put this on the radio? I didn't know it was a, a positive song about helping suicide victims. 
Yep, that's what it is. So I'm just saying, as long as like, we're talking about that song and not talking about the Uzi Vert song, that no, no, the, it was that, it was that song, <laughs> it was that song. But like, unless I had read about it, I wouldn't have known by hearing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's it. I reviewed the album, and the song is uh, again, it's something that means well. But I knew that it was going to get nominated because of the message behind it, and it's just a message that the Grammys clam on to. Just no different than the Oscars. They do the same thing. That's why the most boring movies get all the Grammys. I mean, all the Oscars. Yeah, but Ed, realize this, and not to go off track, but what song these days even has a message? Have you heard the message these songs are spreading? Well, I mean, yes, there are some absolute garbage messages, but the Jay-Z 444 <laughs> song that we were just talking about, that song actually has a positive message if you don't listen to the Think Piece morons that are kind of messing it up. The message is about, hey, get your life together before you lose your family. Not, oh, you can cheat on your girl and Beyonce will take you back. Like, that's not the message, dude. Listen, guys. Listen, guys. In the the mainstream, we have like two or three people that are actually talking about a certain message. Everyone else is just rambling about drugs and strip clubs and bagging women. So you got to give it props for these people who are actually saying something. Oh, yeah, no question. And unfortunately, well, like you were saying, with the kind of the artists who aren't as mainstream, there's plenty of messages going on. You just don't hear them because they're just not on radio. I don't think that's fair, guys. I, I'm not 100% sure what Future is saying in half of his songs, but it might be inspirational. Oh, my oh gosh. My. <laughs> yes, Mask Off is such an inspiration. It should be the new national anthem. Percocet, uh. <laughs> Molly Percocet. Damn. Um and then the last song on the song of the year is That's What I Like by Bruno Mars. So I got two questions for you guys. I'll start with Ed. So as we talk about inspirational messages, and you had mentioned Little Uzi Vert, what is that song about the All My Friends Are Dead song? Is that an inspirational song? Ugh, it's supposed to be another song that's like, I am grappling with depression and I am speaking out about it, but the message is lost because no one's listening to what he's saying. It just bounces into the beat. So, no. It's kind of a lost cause. Um, And then, Tom, Bruno Mars has been nominated for all three major categories. If he wins this award, is it a win for R&B? Absolutely not. Is he going to mention R&B at all in his acceptance speech? I doubt it. Actually, he might. He might. I have heard him talk more about R&B than some of the R&B artists that we talk about on this podcast. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but he's over 30, and it's not influencing any of the younger artists. It, it Maybe it remains to be seen, but I can't see anyone following in his footsteps, so I don't think it's going to matter. I will say that he is still categorized, even though this is an R&B album, he's still considered a pop artist. So it's not like I don't think people will be like, R&B has returned, because there's still a pop artist doing R&B. It's not quite the same. Imagine Fair if enough. he said... Imagine if he was like, I'm bringing real R&B back. I don't know if I'd start celebrating or throwing stuff at the TV at that point. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I love Come it when on. people say that. Not. Not. Uh, um, I want to give a quick shout out to SZA and Khalid, who are both nominated for Best New Artists. Not really our demographic, but I guess they're considered that urban realm, and I know younger R&B fans like them, so shout out to them. Interesting that Alessia Cara was also nominated for this award. 
because I think she's been out for like three years now, but congrats to Alessia Cara. Uh, Uzi Vert's been out on all this, and he nominated too? He sure is. Oh, God. I don't know how. Uh, next, just don't get me started. That category infuriates me. All right. Well, let's go into the R&B categories. This is for R&B performance. We got Get You by Julius Caesar. I mean, Daniel Caesar. Sorry about that. Oh, my God. We've got Distraction by Kalani. And, Tom, like we've mentioned on a couple of podcasts ago, Kalani, that was somebody that you interviewed really early on. So it's kind of cool to see that she got nominated. High by Lettucey is another record. Shout out to my boy Camper for getting nominated once again. Mm-hmm. Tom. Hi, by Lettuce, you got nominated. You can't hate the song anymore. It's Grammy nominated. <sighs> Listen, I have nothing to say about the song. Congratulations oh. to Lettuce. There you go. Uh, we got That's What I Like by Bruno Mars. Shout out to James Fauntleroy, by the way. That guy got nominated for like eight things as well because he wrote most of Bruno's album or co-wrote most of it. So shout outs to James. And The Weeknd by SZA, which is still blowing up on Urban Radio. I think it's one of like the most talked about records at Urban like this whole year. So shout-outs to SZA for that. Where do you guys see this one going? Or let, let's start with this. Who do you think should win it, and who do you think will win it? I think of if we're going by the best songs, Bruno should win it. Who I think will win it. Uh, either Bruno or SZA. They're not going to give it to SZA. Are you kidding me? It's definitely going to be Bruno. I can think... you imagine if, if if SZA won it over Bruno Mars? I can't even fathom that happening. Player, you must have never watched the Grammys before. As I have sat through Macklemore beating Kendrick Lamar and the most other ridiculous things ever. They give it to... I swear sometimes they close their eyes and pick it, pick it out of a hat. There's yeah, no but... way you can predict this stuff. But Macklemore at least was was hugely popular at the time. I still don't think anyone even knows who SZA is, and for her to beat, stop. For her to beat, stop. What? I'm serious. People know who SZA is. You don't is. think people know who SZA? You might not know who SZA is, but SZA is pretty much one of the biggest artists on the radio right now. It Thank would you, not Kendrick. surprise me if she wins. Thank you, Kendrick Lamar, for that. Uh, SZA, you might want to ignore Tom, as well as the thank as you. Well as the whole TDE camp. We love you, SZA. Thank Tom. Give we him the we love you. Kend- <laughs> we appreciate Tom, you, Kendrick Lamar, for <laughs> oh, making geez. this possible. Oh, jeez. Um, I'm gonna say Bruno Mars will win it. I think a sleeper pick will probably be Daniel Caesar. I think. Have you? It, oh, God. I think Daniel Caesar has a shot. He'll be. He's my. I could. Pick. I could see it only because he is. He is the style of music that the Grammys like. So I could see it in that sense. So I understand a logic behind that. Do you guys the even watch TV? Has a style. You, do you guys even you watch don't TV? Don't own a TV. What are you talking about? What's the last thing you watched on TV? This that is so predictable. Game. I'll, I'll bet you five dollars that Bruno Mars is going to win. We all said Bruno was going to win. We said that the sleepers were SZA and Daniel Caesar. There is not even a chance. I will quit this podcast if any of those people win. Daniel Caesar, we are hoping you win. (laughs) We are putting in all the money right now that you win. Hey, Daniel Caesar, if, if you're listening, 
We're rooting for you, boy. <laughs> Listen, do you really want Barry Bars to make a permanent return to the podcast? You better hope Bruno Mars wins. Oh, my God. We all said Bruno was winning. What, I, oh, my God. Tom, you're in media. You're in, you're in the world of media. You should know we're trying to build this thing up with suspense. Let us be. Okay, fine. It's for dramatic effects. Anyways, the second category we're going to talk about is traditional R&B performance. And because Tom likes putting ages on different things, I guess this is the over uh, over 30 group. We got Laugh and Move On by The Baylor Project. We got Redbone by Childish Gambino. We have What I'm Feeling by Anthony Hamilton. All the Way by Lettucey and Still by Molly Music. Who's winning this one? Congratulations, Childish Gambino. You did it. <sighs> yeah. Uh, God, guys, it's such a popularity contest. How can you even argue or debate? And it's weird because that even... I don't even characterize that as traditional R&B. That's more of like traditional funk. But oh, don't let me split hairs. I mean, I guess he's going to win. But when we go by sounds, I feel like Lettucey probably should win. But Gambino, I don't. <laughs> Guys, there's more chance of our boy Mike Verse, one of our followers, um, permanently following us on Twitter. Then oh, let us see winning this award, unfortunately. <laughs> Shout out to God. Mike Verse. Shout out. <laughs> Jesus. We see you. Oh, my God. Anyways. <laughs> um, all right. I guess we're going with Childish Gambino on that one. That was pretty unanimous. We should be part of the Grammy panel, by the way. Oh, no, we should not. I cannot stand going through another album of the year. You know how many times music would be nominated for album of the year if he didn't even have an album out? Tom will be Listen, nominating guys. Soul Star in 2017. Listen, guys. I think you could pay like 200 bucks to be part of the Grammy committee. It's like a membership or something. So, next oh, year, we all got, right? We got to go, we next go year, for it. We're, we're in. All right. All right. Mu- music Soul Child, your time will come. <laughs> that Love and Music album is finally getting that Grammy. <laughs> what? Actually, Tom, I think you're wrong. I think... As a member, you're able to nominate albums, but to pick the winner, you have to be like part of some Illuminati Grammys committee. Why are they can't get into that? They should be calling us to vote on this stuff. We actually know what the heck. We actually listen to everything and know what's going on. No, and I don't get it. That I agree with. I feel like that a lot of these things, especially because you know it has to be out of their realm, should be voted on people who are seen as experts in their field. And you got three right here. So Grammys, get your stuff together. And get in my DMs. Uh, all right. Best R&B song. PJ Morton got nominated. First began. And then we have Khalid Location, which has been huge this year. Yeah. We have Childish Gambino, Redbone, SZA, Supermodel, and Bruno Mars, That's What I Like. Who should win it and who will win it? Now, this is the category, and- I think, that... Bruno, not Bruno, that Gambino should win. If he's going to win a category, he so. should win this one. So, But he's not going to win both of those. So, honestly, I don't know who. We'll give this one to Bruno. But I think Gambino should win this one. You realize that uh, Gambino's 34? I had no idea. <laughs> oh, here we go again. 
I'm just saying. Late bloomer or something? I don't know. How we got a late bloomer? Dude's been building around. He's been putting out. This is like his third album. Alma Mater, NYU. I didn't realize that either. It's impressive. So you like him now? All right. I got. I got. I heard one song in my whole life by him. I don't know. Oh, well, clearly he thought this was his first song or something. Dude's been putting out <laughs> albums in like 2010. I thought he was a TV producer. That's all I knew. No, he was. He was an actor, and then he did the music thing, and then I, he I became a TV producer. I'm I have here no to keep idea. you up. Listen, right. Tom's. Tom's memory of Childish Gambino is TV producer, his cover of Tamiya's song, and then Redbone. And that's about it. That's it. That's actually <laughs> it. That's a pretty sad recollection of that man's career. Anyways, um, you know what? I think Childish Gambino will take this award just because Redbone, like you said, Ed, I think the Grammy looks for certain types of songs and albums to win these awards and I think Redbone fits their what they're looking for more than a Bruno Mars record. Again, I think this That's, one, because Redbone going to win something, trust me. And I think it should yeah. win this one, but I don't know. I don't know if they'll be dumb and give it a traditional, which shouldn't even be in that category in the first place. But he's going to get one of the two. If he doesn't get that one, then it's Bruno that's going to pick this one up. All right. So the next award we have is the Urban Contemporary Album, which I guess stands for Alternative R&B. But um, the nominations are Free Black by Black or Six Lack or Six Black. It's just <laughs> Black, player. <laughs> is it just Black? Okay. Uh, Childish Gambino, Awaken My Love, Khalid, American Dream, Control by SZA, and Starboy by The Weeknd. Isn't it weird that I just realized The Weeknd only had one nomination? Because the album is whack. And they actually didn't saturate it with whackness this year. Two years ago, you've been nominated for everything. Yeah, but I thought like that song, uh, I Feel It Coming, which is like Michael Jackson's song that he would record if he was still here, should have been nominated for something. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't, but eh, new blood, who cares? But yeah, it definitely feels like a Grammy song. I think for this award, SZA is going to take this one. Honestly, of the albums, no, no. Well, well, who do you pick? um, Who's going to win? Since you've heard none of these albums, which one do you? The weekend. The weekend is going to win this one. Oh my goodness! I hate to say that he's right, but he might be right. Um, What should win is SZA because it's the best album by far of these. But good, Tom might be right. Ugh. All right, and then the moment that we've all been waiting for, the best R&B album, and this is the category that Tom complains about every single year since the Grammys started happening. Tom, are you complaining this year? Yes, I am, actually. Because Music Soul Child was going to win this category until they had to plop Bruno Mars right in there with him. (laughs) <laughs> and now he has no shot oh he's got no shot but go ahead Kyle oh, here know what's go. in here so we got Daniel Caesar we've got Lettucey we got Bruno Mars we got PJ Morton 
and we've got Music Soul Child. And before we get into our, our predictions for this, can I just say one thing? I'm pretty sure that half of these independent R&B artists don't know how to submit their album to the Grammys because... Oh, definitely. As much as I... As much as I love Lettucey and PJ Morton, like they got nominated for two categories, but there were so many R&B albums that came out this year. And not to say that those songs or albums were bad, but I would have liked to see more variety. But I'm pretty sure just no one knows how to sub- no one knows how to submit their albums into it. It would not surprise me. I have never learned in the past four or five years. I have been shocked at the lack of professionalism and just. A lot of stuff behind the scenes, y'all, is just raggedy when it comes to this stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me. They may have submitted it and forgot to put the stamp on the envelope or something. Who knows? Like, this stuff is just so all over the place. So, no, it wouldn't shock me. But when you look at this category, they're actually all good albums. Like, this is what makes me happy. I look at it, and it's not like one good album and a whole bunch of weekends. Like, it's all good stuff. I wouldn't be mad if any of them won. But... Sorry, Tom. Bruno's probably taking this. Well, the good news is, guys, you've really hyped this up, so I'm going to tune in. I'll I'll be front and center waiting to hear who the winners are. I'll be tuned in from the start time of the show. I'll be watching the whole thing. I don't think they uh, broadcast the R&B categories, Tom. Yes, (laughs) they don't. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was hoping you'd remember that. It'll be 12.30, and Tom is like, when are they going to get to the best R&B categories? Play a chill-out. Oh, man. But can I just name some artists who I'm shocked weren't even nominated, though, like for R&B? Yeah, let's get into the the snubs. Yeah, did you have some of mine, or do you want me to go? You go. I think we all do. Well, I'll just name a couple off the top of my head. Trey Songs. I'm surprised. And I, this isn't this isn't to say because they're uh, of the quality, just because of a major label artist who I expected to be there. Right. Trey yeah. Songs, Mary J. Blige is another one, which is a shocker. Faith Evans, I thought would have yeah. made it into something, based on you know her. I thought was actually going to make it because every year it seems like they have a young artist. Like it was Luke James once. It was Mac Wilds. I thought she would have been in there for something. TLC wasn't in there for anything. I thought they were someone oh, who would be favored. <laughs> this is I'm talking based off popularity, not based off quality. No, no, you know, I like, know, who, but I think that who, TLC unfortunately is falling in kind of a washed up territory. So, I love y'all, but I don't think it's popular. Anyway, go who, ahead. Ed, the, the, the correct term is uh, legacy artist, not washed up. Legacy <laughs> artist. <laughs> who did you guys have in mind? Well, you named Mary, and that one still surprises me. And I looked at. The songs that she submitted. Oh my goodness, she submitted that, like the wackest songs. Like you plus me could have easily been in one of those wait, best wait, wait, wait. categories. You can view that 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 type of stuff. Sometimes you can. Shout out to my girl Nicolette. She showed a um. There was a screenshot that I guess was on Mary's account somewhere. It was a list of the songs she submitted, and it was like oh, "Hello wow. Father," "Thick of It," something else. I think the Kanye song, but I'm like, why she said she didn't submit the best song, but whatever. So she, I think, kind of messed herself up. But the ones that really surprised me were, as you said, Mary J, because that one was a no-brainer to me, and I thought Daily would get it. And I know that album is kind of mm-hmm. kind of forgotten, 
But that album was very strong, had a very good single, probably one of my favorite R&B songs of the year. We'll be talking about those in a couple weeks. And I thought that that's another song that fits the vibe of the Grammy. So, kind of surprised. And plus, Charlie Wilson, because they always throw Charlie in there. He's like the Kurt Franklin of R&B. If he's got an album out, they're going to throw it in there regardless. So, those are the three that kind of surprised me. What what's the cutoff date? Was it October first, or do you guys know? It's it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's some. It's always like October, early November. That's so why Layla, because Bruno right. dropped last November, so that's why. So Layla missed missed the cut. So Layla can't win it. She missed the cut for this one. Layla yeah, probably sure will be nominated. next year. Yeah, yeah she'll be yeah. next year. Got it. Um, I got a I got a couple of singles that I thought should have gotten some attention for best R&B song. Uh, Kevin Ross, Long Song Away, that was number one for a while. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of um, surprised by that. I would have liked, actually, to see Tamar Braxton, My Man, Grammy nominated, because I felt like that was a really strong R&B record. Um, Good choice. I think Tank or one of Tank's fans have been ranting about how When We wasn't Grammy nominated. But Please. You know. Yeah, no. No. Um, I'm excited for... I'm excited for next year, though, because Chris Brown did miss the cutoff, I believe, for this year. But next year with his double album, I think he can have two slots in the best R&B album because it's a double album. He'll have a part one and a part two. Wow. Oh, man. Kyle, I'm about to, I'm, a, I'm, I'm currently right now looking up Barry Barr's number because I'm about to replace Kyle after that ridiculous thing. <laughs> Dude, so both me and Kyle are about to be out. That's not good. It'll just be me and Barry. What a podcast! <laughs> oh my. <laughs> um, um, so wait, that I, I, much... I just wait. I just realized you mentioned uh, Kevin Ross. I don't think any Motown artist was nominated. Now that I look at it, yeah, Crap, unfortunately, I think you're right. Hmm. They had I would have liked to see seven. Yeah, I would have liked to see seven nominated as well. But they don't really celebrate that type of R&B on the Grammys really. anymore, so sorry. Oh, and shout out to Avery Sunshine. Yeah, to me, I yeah. think she's still probably, I haven't compiled my list yet, but she still might be the best R&B album of the year. And she definitely has a sound that could fit in that traditional category. So, yeah, that's another big snub. Totally forgot about the girl. Don't forget Latoya Luckett. I feel like she's going to have a big presence on our top 50 countdown, our top 100 countdown when we come out oh, with it. Oh, she definitely will. Really? Yeah. A few songs, a few songs at least. Oh, okay. I was like, what? Anyways, um, before we get out of this Grammy discussion, can we just celebrate the fact that Cardi B, Kodak Yellow, Bodak Yellow got nominated for like six rap awards? Like, wow, she did it. Saying wow, well, uh, she did it. It's like when a you know when you have a toddler and they're potty training and they don't pee on the floor and actually pee in a little circle. And you're like wow, she did it. That's wait, hold the same on a second. Reaction I, I get. My phone was breaking up earlier in the conversation. Which category did you say Jagged Edge was in? Oh, oh my God. Oh. No, Jagged Ed, J.E. fans, you can send your hate to still Y-K-I-G-S <laughs> no. on Twitter. Jagged Edge, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. That's enough from you, Tom. We're going to quickly switch gears here to talk about Miguel's new album, War 
and Leisure. This is the fourth album by Miguel, following Wild Heart, which was pretty, by you know, there was a lot of love and hate for it online. So, Ed, I know you got a chance to review the album. Is this more like Wild Heart, or is this more like the Miguel that we've come to love? Well, I talked about that in my review, and if you're going into it looking for the Kaleidoscope Dream Miguel, you're going to be disappointed. And I don't think it's as sharp a right turn as we saw on Wild Heart. It kind of falls in between, so it has the definite R&B sound that we've come to know and love, the the song that he does with Salam Remy, which was actually an older track that they've added J. Cole to. So he kind of has a little bit of that, but then he does have the rock influence tracks and kind of the pop influence tracks. A lot of people compare Miguel to Prince for a lot of things, but I think the main reason in my mind they're compared is because they can put out an album with a ton of different sounds on one album, and it still sounds pretty cohesive. And that's why I kind of like Warren Leisure. It's not what you were expecting, but it's pretty solid. Yeah, I checked out the album as well. And, you know, just like you, I actually did really enjoy Wild Heart. You know, it wasn't Kaleidoscope Dream, but as an album on its own, I thought it was pretty solid. And this is no exception. There were a couple of really, really good songs on there. Um, I really liked the two songs that have fruit in them. We have Pineapple Skies and we have Banana Clip. Two of the most ridiculous song titles I've heard in a while. But both of them kind of reminded me a little bit of what Bruno was doing on his album. It was more of that pop R&B you know, mm-hmm. vibe. And I think that worked for Miguel and Tom. I know you mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago. We could have easily seen Miguel go into that lane. And as we can see here, he does it perfectly. Yeah, I haven't heard the album yet, but I've always been a fan of what what Miguel does and you mentioned this on on Twitter I believe it was that we should celebrate that he's allowed to do what what he wants with his music and which is rare these days but he gets he seems to get the freedom to create the sound he likes and that's definitely respectable these days no grief so we'll see how Miguel does with his album sales I mean there hasn't really been a lot of buzz for this project I know he's going on tour relatively soon I actually just bought tickets to the show, and it looks like they're doing the same strategy that, um, or the label is doing the same strategy that they did with Charlie Wilson, in which when you buy a ticket to his concert, it also comes with the album. So I guess they made the tickets like $10 more expensive than they normally are. So I guess that's a good way for them to boost their sales. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's like a falsified way to boost sales. I more think it's. That's the day and age we're in, where you got to get creative to sell albums. Because we talk about how few albums people sell nowadays. I mean, you mentioned the first week out sales every time, it seems like. And it's like 5,000, 4,000. That's scary. So I feel like that's a creative way to get album sales in, in a time when people don't even buy albums. So I respect it. And I'll, I'll just say, it's, it's way better than Chris Brown telling his fans to just put the Spotify on than leaving the house. Good so. God, don't get me to swing a fist about that again. And they did it. They actually did it. If you're listening to this podcast and you did it, you're a dummy. I'm telling you oh. to your face. Oh, give oh now, now, let's celebrate, the, let's celebrate the fact that Chris Brown was top 10 on the Billboard 200 for like four weeks. Most albums drop out of the top 10 after the first week. So, shout outs to Breezy. We love you. 
I don't. Uh, <laughs> see you on Thanksgiving. We'll see you Christmas. Uh, um, so we've got some more new releases that came out in Vogue. They're back. They released a couple of new songs. One written by Neil, the other one featuring Snoop Dogg. Now, Ed, I'll leave it to you to let the readers, you know, or maybe you can educate the readers on In Vogue a little bit because I'm, I've read a couple of comments from people on our Twitter who have gone to In Vogue shows in the past year or so, and they're always asking the same question, where is Dawn? So who are the members of In Vogue? Wait, uh... Before Ed goes, though, i also add to that. I read on, on YouTube, I was reading the comments of some of these videos, saying it's not the same without Dawn or Maxine, and they need to pay up to get those two back. So, Ed, I'll let you take it away. Oh, my gosh, they need to pay up to get those two back. It's so funny that you mentioned this, because roll by soulandstereo.com today, players, and go check out my Whatever Happened to On Invo, because I explain all about all six members. Yes, there were six members at one point. And what happened to them? Right now, though, we've got Terry Ellis, who was always my favorite, one of the original members. We've got Cindy and Rowan. Those are the three. So we're the three. Maxine is gone because she tried to sue and she had her own fake involved. It was like the NWO. Remember when it was the NWO Wolfpack and NWO Hollywood? There were two involved <laughs> wow. players. <laughs> Listen, you got to go read Solar Stereo so I can tell you what happened because it is crazy. You know what? And then, of Actually, I think, course, I think Black, Black Street has the same thing going on right now. There's a Teddy Riley group and a Chauncey Black group. Black yep, Street 2 and Black thing. Street 1. <laughs> oh, my. And they're wearing different t shirts. Whose side is he on? So then you've got Don Robinson, who, of course, the most infamous member of all, who has hopped out about 17 different groups. Um, ugh, Don. So, if you want to know the backstory between those and why that reunion probably ain't happening anytime soon, go check out Soul and Stereo. But, I have seen all three in concert, I think it was last month I went to see them, and they were pretty good. Of course, it wasn't like the old days because a lot of the older members are gone, but for what it was, I thought it was pretty solid. Enough for me to kind of be interested in seeing what a reunion album would look like. Ed, actually, um, I didn't read your article yet, but where is Dawn these days? I feel like she's just sitting around eating popcorn, waiting for this comeback to not work out as they hoped. Well, as petty as Dawn is, that's probably exactly what she's on. The last time I saw her, she was on R&B Divas being evil. So who knows what she's up to now. That was two or three years ago. She's kind of fallen off the map in recent years, but who knows? Lots of lots of drama in the Invoke camp. You know what? I'm kind of surprised that, um, and not to sound disrespectful, but but when a reunion happens or a comeback happens for a group, and it's not the original members, you know, there's usually not a lot of buzz around it. But uh, but Invoke seems to be getting a decent amount of buzz with the singles that they're putting out. I think Invoke. There's a lot of Invoke fans that are interested in them because it's kind of hard to say for younger fans to realize because they imploded circa like '97 and just never really caught back on. But in their heyday, they were every bit as big as people talk about Destiny's Child and those groups. Like they were the Destiny's Child of 1991. They were massive. They were the TLC of that era. So. The fan base is there and they're hungry to hear from them, but they just vanished and then the infighting and the weirdness. 
So it doesn't surprise me that there's a lot of people checking for him. But the hard thing is in 2017, as we all know, getting your music out there is not as easy as going to sit on the couch on BET anymore. So getting their sound out there is going to be tough. I'll just also say shout to E1 Entertainment and E1 Music. They're assigned to them to put this album out, and they don't usually make mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes. So if they if they would sign them and take a shot, they pretty much have a good feeling about how well they're going to do. So they must that that to me that's a key indication of if this is going to work or not. I mean, it's not going to be like going platinum back in the days, but I'm sure they'll they'll tour and, and be mildly successful. And like I said, they they performed a couple of new songs when I heard them, and it was well received. A lot, you, as all of us know, who attends concerts when when quote unquote legacy artists try to debut new music, a lot of times the crowd just tunes out immediately. But they were kind of into the new songs, so there's something there. So we'll see what happens with In Vogue, and we wish them the best of luck with this comeback. Another artist that just came back out is pretty much the god of R&B, according to our website. It is Craig David. A lot of fans seem to love him. He put out a new single with the alternative group Bastille. Is that how you pronounce their name? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I I don't know how how Craig David does it. He is like a, a... he does like DJ sets now, and people show up to see him doing DJ sets. It's crazy. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I have not, but I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Yeah, he calls it yeah, like live, live from T5 or something, and it's like he's not even really performing, and people come to see him do DJ sets on stage. I can't even imagine. I got to say, though, I am very impressed by the fact that Craig David has managed to keep his name relevant. And, you know, in music, despite the fact that he hasn't really had a commercial hit in years. I mean, if you ask any R&B fan, they'll tell you, fill me in, seven days. What else do we have, Tom? Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, those are the main two. Right? And, and I'm and, sure there and, are. There's, there's a... and, and on top of all that, he managed to get signed to a major label at this point in his career. He's with RCA to put this album out. So, I mean, this is a big deal. Definitely a big deal. So, we'll see what happens with this. I mean, Craig David is going on tour now. Tom, I believe he's hitting New York in January. Yeah, I think the the week of the release. I'm actually going to try to interview him. We haven't ever interviewed Craig David, so we'll see if we can lock that in. All right, all right. Um, speaking of interviews, I recently did another interview with her, a.k.a. Gabby Wilson. I got a story for you guys, if you guys are ready for that. Ready Uh-oh. as we're going to get. So I just want to flash back to the first time that I met her. And, you know, when I met her, the, literally the first thing I said was, hey, what's up, Gabby? How are you doing? And her whole management team freaked out because I wasn't supposed to know who she was. But, of course, because I do my Wikipedia research, of course I knew who that was. <laughs> Your so, Wikipedia research. Oh, my God. That's, that's what they call it on YouTube. So this time when I met Gabby, same scenario, I said hi to her and I called her by her real name. And she actually remembered who I was and she knew my name already. So that was pretty cool. So me and her are BFFs now. Oh, Lord. Nice. 
But it brings me on to a discussion that our good friend Audio Dope Beats, shoutouts to him on Instagram, he wanted us to talk about this a little bit because I had tweeted out that for an artist in 2010 to release an album, an R&B album, in 2010 as their debut album, it is quite an accomplishment because if you really think about it, there's only been a handful of them that have been able to and Audio Dope Beats was like, well, it hasn't been a problem for her Bryson Tiller or Daniel Caesar, and I was telling him, dude, her is actually Gabby Wilson, and Gabby Wilson's been trying to get on for a minute. A so, long time. A long time. But it's interesting because when I spoke to Gabby about it in my interview with her, she was like, you know, I've never really tried to be an artist until this point. I was just waiting for the right time to do so. And it, some of it might be true, some of it might not, but it doesn't take away from what we already know, which is... If you look around, there's only been a handful of artists that have been able to release an R&B album in 2010 as a new artist. And I'm trying to think, which one of these new artists have been able to release a sophomore album? That's that's impossible. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I'm, El- I'm running through my brain. and I'm El Varner comes to mind, who, who we've been she waiting on. The- no, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying yeah. artists we've been waiting, like, like Luke James, Luke James I mean... We were waiting on Elijah. I guess Elijah Blake made it, but he did it independently. So I don't know if that. I mean, that's not what this discussion is about, right? That's um, not, and I think people will confuse that because we are talking about major labels. And if the, I think Luke James is a very convincing case because look at the momentum that he has had in the past year, and even before his solo, his solo his you know debut album. He had a lot of momentum. He dropped the album. It was eh, as far as what being received. And then we haven't heard anything back. And his name has been all over the place for at least the past early six months of the year due to the new edition performance on BET. And we still don't have any new music. It's so difficult. And I think people don't take credit in seeing in 2017 how hard it is to get your music, music out there. I mean, you can throw anything on YouTube, but we're talking about major label promotions and backing. It's not easy. I, I mean, I it just took thought, Seven Streeter. Uh, it, it took Seven Streeter like four years to put out her album. So Tanashi yes. still had. Tanashi still can't put out her second album. I thought of another one too. You, one, one of our, an artist we admire, actually, Karina Passion. It's been, it's been almost ten years since her her debut album, and she put out an EP recently that we featured, but. Hasn't put out a sophomore album. That's another example, I feel like. I mean, there are tons, and it's ridiculous. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to an artist, and it's frustrating as a fan. I mean, I yelled and screamed to the rooftops about Tedra Moses for, seems like, decades before we finally got something. So it's it's very frustrating as a fan to see talented artists just not be able to get their music heard. And I know there are a lot of label politics here and there, but... There's just so much talent being handcuffed. Yeah, it's crazy. And another one, Pleasure P, 2009. That was his last album. That was the introduction of Marcus Cooper, and I guess we're still introducing the world to Marcus Cooper. <laughs> I mean, that's 10 years. That was before I moved to Birmingham. That seems like a, a lifetime ago. It's ridiculous. Were you boyfriend number two in Birmingham? Play, I'm a married man. Stop trying to get me caught up. All right, all right, all right. Wow. <laughs> So, um, we'll see what happens. I mean, Gabby, we wish you the best of luck. We'll see. Um, but 
Man, I was just talking to Tom about this earlier, and Tom, you brought in a pretty interesting strategic move to maybe bring more exposure to these R&B artists on major labels. Well, I just keep thinking about the SZA song with Maroon 5, because I keep hearing it on the radio. Whatever the heck that stupid, annoying song is. You guys (laughs) know it. (laughs) I know it, but it's all over the radio. But the point is, how the heck did SZA get on the song with Maroon 5? No one even knows who SZA is from a pop perspective. And then I realized, oh, right, she's affiliated with Kendrick Lamar. And Kendrick Lamar, of course, had a song with Maroon 5 on one of their previous singles. So it was probably a handshake agreement behind the scenes. No, I thought about it because why don't labels do more cross-promoting of their R&B artists with pop acts? You know, to try to get more exposure. Not not like constant features, but maybe like a one-time deal that could get them some ex- quick exposure to kind of jumpstart things for them. You know, like, because Kyle, we were talking about offline, he was saying it doesn't make sense and you can't force an artist to do that. It doesn't Like an Ed Sheeran, it doesn't make sense. But trust me, when you sign to a record label, you're pretty much a slave to that label. There's contracts. You got to do what they say. So, I mean, I feel like this could be cooked into the contract from the start. You know, Ed Sheeran, you're going to have to do at least one or two singles with a, with a new artist at some point. And what is he going to do at that point? You know, but I feel like that's a great way to get exposure to some of these artists who need it. I feel like it's going to work for SZA. And um, I don't know why we don't see more. Not, not like older artists, but like younger ones who need to get, you know, like her could probably benefit from that right now. I mean, what do you guys think? Um, Tom and Kyle and I talked about this a little bit, and you're right. Tom's absolutely right about the labels being slave drivers. I mean, Prince painted slave on his face for a reason. But, and I'm I'm kind of back and forth about it because I see both sides. From Tom's perspective, it makes total sense because you have this artist that's coming up, signing up, and working with an established artist. It's just the same. The same cosign thing that we've been seeing going on in hip hop and every other genre for years. You see a newer artist, artist tagging with an established artist, and it kind of puts them on to the next level. I remember when I first heard DMX on like an LL Cool J song. I'm like, who is this guy barking like a freaking dog? But that was a, a opportunity for him to get his name out there, and then he blew up because it introduced him to a new artist. To Kyle's point, though. I do think that it can be a little misleading because you're asking a artist to kind of modify their sound to fit the pop sound. So if you, for instance, like the SZA song and well, you like the song with Maroon 5 and you hear SZA and you're like, oh, I'm going to check her music out because I think it's going to sound like Maroon 5 stuff. And then you hear The Weeknd and Supermodel and you're like, oh, this is completely different. I don't like this. It might not always work. So I think that there's kind of a give and take on both sides. And for me, I think as a label, I would do it to kind of put the artists out there and give them an opportunity to work with some other high-profile acts. But I do think that it's a little misleading sometimes, and it can cause a little bit of confusion in the marketplace. Well, you know what? I'm going to backpedal a little bit on my stance on this because I do see Tom's, I guess, brilliance in all of this. Even if a Maroon 5 fan goes to check out SZA's music, such as The Weeknd, and decides that they don't like it, at least they actually listen to it. Yes. There's so many R&B songs that fall yep. on deaf ears right now, so maybe that is the way to do it. I just don't know in the long run if it'll work. You know, like, 
being that the R&B artist such as a her would have to adapt to, let's say, Ed Sheeran, it, like, are you going to have to rely on these cosigns all the time? Because, listen, once her puts out her own single, are those Ed Sheeran fans going to follow along? Probably not. No, but... But, like, it's just, I didn't think SZA was out of her element, though. The way she did her verse on that Maroon 5 song, it kind of, it, it, it wasn't, like, too poppy to me. It was fine. And, I, I, like you said, if you can get a, for every hundred fans that goes and checks out SZA out of those Maroon 5 fans, if you get, like, one or two that actually like her, maybe you, that's just exposure, you know, and uh, right. that you would o- otherwise be getting. There's no down, there's no negative, really, to it. As long as she's not selling out and doing something that's, totally off base from what she would do i don't think there's any negative to it that's just the way i look at it even if you just gain a few yeah. fans i'm with you there because it's about exposure but again the only thing i worry about is sometimes it can be a little misleading and you don't want an album an artist to work with an art with a established artist and it's like oh well that worked so well when you did that pop thing so on your album we want you to tweak your sound so it sounds more like that that's more of the danger but I mean, it's a risk you take for more exposure. So, you know, I yeah, see but, both but sides. How's it any different than an R&B artist who's making a making a song that's tailored to radio and trendiness when the rest of their album is all like traditional R&B? Like Bobby V used to tell us he did that. And it's like if you're going to the album looking for more of that trendiness, you're going to be deceived. So it's almost right. like really you just need to get ears on the music is, is the bottom line, you know? You never know how but, they'll react to it. And on the opposite side of that, we've talked about this on the podcast before. If someone is a fan of Seven's Before I Do single, and they're like, oh, that's a great song. I'm going to check out her album. And then they listen to the album, and it's like nothing like that song. And you're kind of like, eh. So again, the whole point of this is getting more ears to the artist. And if that's the goal, then I'm all for the cosign. Shout to Barry. Shout to Barry Barr's (laughs) mom, who... uh, had that exact reaction to Seven's music. She got the good old bait and switch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Long as Seven got your seven ninety nine, she don't care. Oh boy. Um, brilliant idea, Tom. But I am afraid that we're going to probably hear more Pitbull songs featuring, I don't know, Kalani, and that scares me a little bit. Oh, Pitbull. Who? <laughs> um, I want to give a quick shout out. Before we get into the Hall of Fame, for uh, to Jesse J, who performed at the Soul Train Awards, she was part of the tribute to Tony Braxton. And from what I heard, because I didn't actually watch the awards show, unfortunately, and I don't think either of you guys did either, but I heard she did really well. And it looks like the R&B community is accepting her with open arms because she's acknowledging the fact that she's making R&B music. Funny how that works out. When you tell a group of people who like and appreciate a certain genre of music and a new artist comes in, well, not necessarily new, but an artist comes in and says, hey, I like this music too. I am doing this music for you. And it's well received. Funny how that works. All it is is appreciating the genre that we love. And it's kind of frustrating that artists have to pretend it doesn't exist to sell records. And I get the politics behind it. We talked about it last week. But it's just frustrating as an R&B fan that the artists that you want to uplift your genre are too busy making up goofy names for it. Oh, this is R&B noir stuff. <laughs> you want to hear my reaction to her admitting she's making R&B is her career is over. 
I, I was going to ask you, is this career suicide? Yes, it's... it's I wouldn't over. say it's suicide. Calm down. <laughs> I mean, to go from... What was that song with Nicki Minaj and Ariana? Bang Bang? Do you guys remember that song? Oh, yeah. how could I forget that? From that but song yeah. to some of the more... Look at, the uh, more look at Ariana. Songs. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Her debut, and again, I reviewed the debut. I loved her debut. That debut was an R&B record. But the label saw her and was like, you know what? You would make much more money doing goofy pop songs. And they were right. So, I mean, I can't say they were wrong. But it hurts because that could have been the artist who was putting eyeballs on a genre that needed it. Because her R&B stuff was great. But now she's just making bang, bang, weirdo songs. <laughs> wow. But, uh... But shout outs to Jessie J. I know she'll be probably putting out her album early next year. It'll be interesting to see what happens with her career now that she's fully embraced R&B, which is definitely a risky move to do in 2017. But hey, she did it. So let's see if the rest of these guys um, line up as well. Sam Smith, Adele, and who else? Who else are we forgetting to mention here? Mm, those are Those are... Public Enemy number one and two. I'm sure there are others that are slipping my mind, but those are the main ones. Jeez. Anyways, I think it's time that we sh- we move past this and talk about the Hall of Fame, which we haven't done since. Uh, it's been a while. So let's get into this Hall of Fame discussion. I don't know if we have if anyone has anyone prepared. So I, I do. will go because oh, I do? have one. But if you don't have one, I got one. All right, well, I'll go first, and then you do the other one. Okay. Okay, and hopefully we don't have the same one, or else we'll have problems. But the Hall of Fame nomination for this week, for me, he made confessions. Um, His name is Usher. We haven't nominated Usher yet? That's kind of crazy. Nope. Um, I mean, he he has been the face of R&B for many, many years. For a time period, you couldn't go... Without saying Usher when you mentioned R&B, he pushed the genre forward and then pushed it back a couple of times. And now he's kind of in the middle of nowhere. But we can't discredit what he's contributed to the genre. He's had a lot of hits, a lot of, dare I say, classics. I think he has probably two R&B classic albums. And, I mean, just an overall great entertainer, underrated vocalist. And just somebody that deserves to be talked about in this Hall of Fame. I personally have him as a yes, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. Mm. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, reluctantly yes because I don't think he's done enough to tarnish his reputation, even though he's making it hard on us. That's my argument. Man, I- <laughs> I got to kind of agree with you. Like, if you were just looking at this post-2000 and, I don't know, 2013 or so, you could make a very hard argument that there are a lot of black eyes on his career. But, I mean, there's a reason why, to this day, people are still screaming about, I want another album like Confessions, because that was an album that really shook the foundations of R&B. And stood kind of the test of time that is still beloved today. And beyond that album, because he's had great albums before and after. 
I think his career is one that we still hold in high esteem because he was the face for a long time. And he's made some very questionable moves in recent years because I think he's trying to look for himself, if you saw what I did there. But I think that there is enough quality before and after, and as we talked about his vocal ability and some other things, that make him a shoe-in for me. So there you go. Usher is in the Hall of Fame. And on a side note, I think the, that lawsuit that was, you know, with, with the, what was it, the, the STDs and stuff, stuff like that, that was dropped. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, I know you got a new, Tom, I know you got a new phone and you love using emojis. You can now use the eggplant emoji for Usher again. Oh, uh, my God. Confused. You know what's funny? Anyways, I feel like these arguments, these lawsuits, I haven't heard anyone. I just saw a, a footage of R. Kelly concert where he was bopping around stage, cigar in hand. Why is he performing with a cigar in his hand? That's another question. But it was a packed house, so people were singing right along. I don't think anyone even cares. They forgot already. Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that it's here's the thing. It, we rely so much, and I ain't going to get on too much of my political soapbox, but. I think that in this era where we have to be outraged about something, we got to write think pieces about something, we got to fuss about something. We contain all of our anger on social media. So it's like all this social media outrage, but because of social media, it disappears in like a week. Like the reason why Twitter is popular is because the stuff gets pushed down and these issues in the long run don't stick. So yeah, we can be pissed off about Usher today or we can make jokes about R. Kelly tomorrow. But then in like two weeks, there's something else that has our attention. So we totally forgot about it. So unfortunately, none of that stuff sticks because we don't have the <laughs> we don't have the attention spans to make it stick. Yep. Tom, who's your nomination? My nomination for the R&B Hall of Fame is Layla Hathaway, daughter of Donnie Hathaway. Mmm. Woo. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh. <laughs> That's Look, it. player, you got to make your player make the case. She has won three consecutive Grammy Awards. She has. And is possibly the best vocalist we have in R&B to this day. And, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Oh, this is a tough one. I'm trying not to be, this is another one I'm trying not to be biased because when we're talking about ability, she is by far heads and shoulders above everybody. Like there are probably like two or three artists in her class that de- that deserves to be mentioned in the same breath. When we're talking about ability, we're talking about just DNA. Like she's got this in her DNA. The thing that hurts her though, is mainstream impact because if you were asked, you know, Joe Blow R and B fan on the street, give me three Layla songs. Give me two Layla ask, songs. Ed, what ask would me they right say? Now. Ask me. All right, Kyle. What's your favorite Layla Hathaway song? I don't know. There you go. That's what <laughs> hurts, and that's what. That's why this one is so difficult because when we're talking about ability. We're talking about accolades, it's a no-brainer. When we talk about mainstream impact, 
It's just not there. Well, how many classic gonna, albums do you think she has? I don't know if I would say any are classic. They're all great. But as we've talked about before, my definition of a classic is one that changed the landscape and influenced art albums after it. Confessions, as we just discussed, that was a classic. Might not be five stars, but that's another argument. But it's still a classic because of its influence. I don't know of anything that she's dropped that would be something that changed the landscape. So that's where I struggle. I want to say yes, just because she's got all the tools in the toolbox. But if people don't know she has a toolbox, does that count against her? That's the struggle. You know what? what? I mean, I, I personally don't listen to Leela Hathaway. That might not be my demographic. However, what I will say is, once upon a time, Tom sent me a link of Leila Hathaway singing, and she was singing like two notes at one time. <laughs> and I thought that was like the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And I think I watch that at least once a month still. So, I mean, I won't give her a Hall of Fame nod, but she gets like an award for just doing the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. She's inhuman. Wow. It's like she's like some kind of android. The stuff she can do is just amazing. I'm going to say yes tentatively just because the, the talent she has is just unbelievable. It just feels wrong to say no. But... I don't know. She just doesn't have the mainstream appeal that you would think one would need for a Hall of Fame. But I'm going to do a tentative yes. Well, she had a song with Snoop Dogg recently. I look at that as a cosign of Snoop Dogg wouldn't just do a song with anyone. She <laughs> was... Hard. No, no. This is like cosigning greatness. Like, she oh. was featured on Kendrick Lamar's, one of his albums recently. Hold on, hold on. Didn't Snoop Dogg do a song with the Gangnam Style guy? Listen, I'm trying to make. <laughs> he did. I'm trying, he did. I'm trying to make my case he here. He did. <laughs> okay. Let the I'm man trying. make his case. So, if you have a song with Snoop Dogg and Kendrick Lamar, that's like coat. These people wouldn't do a song with just anybody. So, well, maybe they would, but. Uh, no, they would, but. All right. Never mind. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess. Oh man, because if, if Tom, if you were going to use that as your argument, I guess Bilal's in the Hall of Fame as well. Bilal, it, if you ask the, some of our fans, they would say a definite yes. We'll revisit that one. And I like, but I like Bilal. So uh, Bilal has more mainstream appeal. Well, I know we're not doing Bilal. Maybe we'll save him for next week. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. Wait, did uh, Monica get in? No. Okay, so <laughs> so Layla Hathaway is out. That's a no. Ouch. Shout and I think we got to revisit this. We got to revisit this. We got to put music and Monica back in it so that Tom can actually vote objectively. No, listen. If he, is, he wants to be biased, let him be biased. You're booing from outside the club. All right, can I say one thing? I'll say one thing. Tom, if Music Soul Child wins that Grammy... He will also be inducted into our Hall of Fame. Yes. <laughs> play it, please. Okay, but you better not... keep your cult. So we're going to put Gambino in the Hall of Fame next? Cardi no, this B is, this is going is a... in there? Stop. This is a special one-time offer for Music Soul Child because Tom believes in music so much. And he's going against 
the gigantic monster in Bruno Mars, if he can somehow pull that off, he deserves to be in our Hall of Fame. Right, Honestly, I it. have as much as I love to give Tom grief about music. If he won that, I wouldn't really not be mad at all. That album was really great. There you go. We never ho- we never thought we'd hear these words. No, <laughs> you won't hear them again, so you better soak them up. <laughs> all right, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Well, we talked about a lot of stuff earlier today, but if you haven't yet, go check out the Whatever Happened To on En Vogue. It is long, so make sure you settle into your seat because I got a lot to go over on that one. But it was pretty well received, so check that out. Also, check out the review of Miguel's Warren Leisure album. Got some good feedback on that as well. And another thing, I brought brought back a topic that fans have asked me to get on forever. I took a look at 10... Gospel rappers that you need on your playlist. I have a big following of of readers who really like gospel rap, and it's something I just kind of I'm a fan of, but I don't really talk about a lot on the site. So I talked a lot of that, and that got some good reactions too. So if you are interested in that, I'll have ten artists that you may know, you may not know, to add to your playlist. Oh, and before I forget, we're in the holiday season, so every year on the site we do a holiday playlist. So what we're doing this year is we are asking all fans of Soul and Stereo to contribute one song to the playlist. And we've got a bunch of songs. So every day, check out soulandstereo.com for the newest selection on our Ultimate Christmas playlist. And if you want to add a song yourself, just hit a brother up. Can I do that right now? Yup. DMX, Rudolph the Rent-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> I will legit add that to the playlist. As your Wait, contribution. And don't forget that Ashanti Christmas song I just heard. I will oh, not yes. add that to the playlist. Oh, man. Oh, come on. I think Ashanti actually has two Christmas albums. Damn. It's impressive. That Ashanti, uh, that video for that first one is the worst video I've ever seen in my life. The one where she's riding on the sleigh. It, it's, oh my gosh. It's I worse than the... Oh, it's up Dude, there. I, it's worse than the Kanye I, Kim I, K video. No, the worst music video I've ever seen is Brooke Valentine Forever. You guys need to go check that out if you haven't seen it. Oh my it's goodness. Video, <laughs> that is by far the worst video I've ever seen. It was that or um, was it All for One? Which R&B group was it from the 90s that had that horrible music video, Ed? We talked about this before. What, All for One? Which After- video did... Was it? Was it? Oh, after you're talking seven? about. No, you're talking about after. Se- no, um, yes, <laughs> last night. That's what you're talking about. Yes. Not so after seven. After... So between that and Brooke Valentine, I think those are the two worst music videos of all time. Anyways, oh. Tom, what's going on with you? Know I got sold off. All this disrespect uh, for as yet. Good lord. I just have oh, to sorry, mention as yet. Real quick, Ed, you you were driving from South Carolina to get home before you started this podcast? South Carolina? <laughs> oh, my gosh. The brother was in Montgomery, Alabama oh, for two okay. hours. Now, even though, check this out, y'all. Even though I drove two hours so we could get back in time for the podcast, this dude is still late. No, no, because I read this headline. I was reading this article. A South Carolina man makes himself food at a Waffle House while the employee was sleeping. I thought that was you. First of all, I would never step foot into a Waffle House. That's your first <laughs> mistake. Okay, got you. 
All right, so that's not you. All right. Check. Uh, you know, I got soul. Uh, we're, we're preparing. Uh, we're revisiting all the songs from the year for this countdown. We're putting together with Ed for the uh, best 100 songs of the year. So we're working on that. Kyle's uh, interviewing every R&B artist who comes through Vancouver at this point, and sometimes Seattle. <laughs> yep. Uh, other than that, it's been pretty slow around the holidays, so uh, we're just wrapping it up for this year, I guess. Yep, absolutely. I recently interviewed her. Uh, I'm trying to interview a couple more. Ed, I got to ask you for some advice. Should I drive three hours because you're used to long, uh, long drives now? Should I drive three hours to interview Pretty Ricky? I would say that's a definite no from me. Okay. If you're even driving three sampled, hours to, to see spectacular Sweat. Hey, they sampled Keith Sweat on their debut I, album. I know they sampled Keith Sweat. Don't remind me. I love Keith, but he sometimes do too many favors, as we saw with 21 Savage. Man, Keith lo- should be grateful that he got sampled because, Tom, didn't we check Keith's celebrity net worth recently and like he's at, he's in the negatives? Well, listen, man, he looked more excited in that 21 Savage picture than 21 Savage did, so I wonder who was asking for that picture. <laughs> oh, please. What did you see? Keith looked like he was sweating bullets. <laughs> Damn, Keith must have paid for the meet and greet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will not stand for this disrespect of a legend. Oh, my God. Anyways, we are out of here for this podcast. I hope everyone has a good week. We will be back hopefully next week to talk about more on R&B. We got K. Michelle coming up next week. So, Or K. Michelle's album. I don't want anyone to think K. Michelle's going to be on the podcast, but she might. Uh, but until then, we will talk to you guys next time. Peace out. Later. All right.